0: Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. When Andy was appointed in 2014 as the pastor of this church, our district supervisor, Dr. Sam Rockwell, communicated that church multiplication in the Grand Valley was something that the district was hoping for and expecting. I came along about a year later, and in the course of our discussions, we meet bi-weekly, we discovered that church multiplication is something that's been burning in my heart for quite some time. This, This morning, we get to talk a little bit more about that, and I get to share my vision for church multiplication in FRUTA. Andy and I have been dreaming and planning this process for about three years now. It's not something that's new, but actually something that has already begun and is in the works. So I'm excited to share with you my vision and where I hope to see the church begin a new branch in FRUTA. Before I dive into the vision I have for FRUTA, I first wanna give some background as to why and how this came about for me. This is a big step, communicating what God has put on my heart. And I'm nervous. I know I have lots to learn. And there are still lots of unanswered questions. That's okay. I don't have to have all the answers right away. I am committed to stepping out in faith. And at the end of the service today, I'm going to ask you to join me in faith, knowing that God equips those he calls. So I'd like to pray to get us started this morning. Lord, I know what you have placed on my heart. It's bigger than I could ever hope to accomplish on my own. Plenty of it doesn't even make sense right now. I'm okay with that. I ask, Lord, that today, as I place some of our Christian practices under the microscope, that we would not allow fear to overtake us. Rather, as I ask some difficult and uncomfortable questions that you have asked me to wrestle with. I pray that together we would find unity in the things that we believe, and unity in the reality that we have a lot left to learn. In Christ's name, amen. Going to church, reading the Bible, praying. These are the things that good Christians are supposed to do, right? Says who? You? Me? Guilt? Shame? I'll ask you this. If you have tried developing those habits, how good did it make you feel? And how long were you able to keep that good feeling? Maybe until you lost your temper? Maybe until you slept in too long. Maybe until you went right back to controlling habits. Maybe it felt good until you read something that was offensive or confusing. Then the good feeling quickly disappeared. Or maybe these things have always sounded boring or useless or confusing. But yeah, maybe you tried them for a little bit but got discouraged. Possibly you've been told that praying, reading your Bible, and going to church are good for you. And they are what mature Christians do. But do we know why? These are questions that God has been asking me to wrestle with for the last few years. Do you know how to do these things? That was another one of these pieces. Carolyn, do you know... How to pray, are you praying correctly? Do you know why you're going to church? Are you going to church correctly? Do you know how to read your word? Are you reading your word correctly? And what does that mean? And if we are doing these things, and if they really are good for us, are they producing the intended results? If they are in fact good for us, if they are in fact gifts from God above, then they are just that, a gift. It's intended for our good, for us to flourish, and to live this life in the freedom that comes, knowing that Christ is our Savior. But is that what we are experiencing if and when we read the Bible, if and when we go to church, if and when we have a regular prayer life? So, we're going to take these and we're going to put them under the microscope. Let's take church. We do the same thing every week, right? You wake up early, maybe for some. You get, maybe you get dressed up in some circles, that's an expectation. You say hello to a bunch of people, some of which you know and some of which you don't. You sit, you stand. You sing, you pray, you sit, you listen, you pray, you listen. Maybe you take communion, you pray, and you leave. Week in and week out. So if you are doing these things and you come week in and week out, you should feel good about yourself about 33% of the time. One-third of your Christian walk is taken care of. So that should make you feel good. You're one-third of the way there. Is that how you feel week in and week out? For some of us who attend, we may know why we're here. And we may have experienced incredible things that God has done in our life. But please hear me when I say The culture as a whole does not have room in their schedule or even in their thinking for why we would go to church. It does not make any sense. This includes people who refer to themselves as evangelical Christians. This is not just in the culture that says they are not a follower of Christ. Statistics show us That within the church, people are not coming regularly. Maybe you've had a good service. Maybe you came and you learned something. Maybe it sounded like something you wanted to do for the week. A good idea, a good scripture. But then something got in the way. I'm talking to Christians right now. People who say they were followers of Christ. So you started coming, very excited about it, glad to be here, good service, learning things, and you get started on this habit. And then a birthday party comes along. Oh, got a miss. Or a weekend trip comes along. Oops, got a miss. Or hunting season shows up. Or any other number of things that take place on a weekend. Maybe you went and you heard something you didn't like. Maybe you heard something that cut a little bit close to your personal life. And you weren't quite sure how to settle with it or what to do with what you heard. And all of a sudden, coming to church sounds a little bit more difficult. Or you just discover that you're too tired. Sundays, you need to get laundry done, dishes done, and get ready for the next week. And overall, church does not seem to produce enough of a result to make it worth it in your life or in your schedule. And this is what happens. Maybe church is good for you, but what if we don't really know why? Okay, next, let's take praying. Praying is kind of like talking to yourself. That can get old, or frustrating, or discouraging. Come on, sometimes it's just weird. Maybe you can do it for a while. Maybe you just decide, I'm going to pray in my mind. And then, I don't know what to pray about. And my mind runs to a million other things that I should be doing right now, um, I'll pray later. I'll pray in the shower. I'll pray on my ride into work. Maybe that'll work. Maybe that's what prayer time looks. Or maybe we have no idea. Maybe we're talking to a being that we've never seen, and along the way we just get discouraged. Maybe we have prayers that we have lifted and cried out before God, and we do not understand what has happened. The results make no sense, and you begin to feel confused about who you're praying to or why. In the culture we live in, many times people would prefer to hear that you would send them positive vibes Positive vibes seem more effective than prayer. That's true for my family. My cousins would much rather me tell them, hey, I'm sending you positive vibes, than for me to tell them that I'm praying for them. That is the reality of the culture we live in. There's not a place for prayer. It seems useless or foolish. Many times in the scientific world, prayer to a being seems archaic. Something that people did thousands of years ago because they didn't understand the science behind what was happening. These are the things that are going on in our culture. All right, number three. We're two thirds of the way through our good Christian walk and we're feeling two thirds of the way good about ourselves, maybe. If we're doing both of those things, we understand why to do it. We understand um, the purpose, and maybe we even have those things in our lives. Number three, reading the Bible. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this one. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a teacher, and I'm a math teacher, but this quiz does not have any math on it. Quiz. That's right. I said quiz. I'm giving you a pop quiz this morning. A Bible trivia pop quiz. So hang tight, just a minute. No, 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 don't get worried. It's going to be fine. Grab a piece of paper, grab a pencil, and in just a minute we're going to go through a few questions. Okay, reading the Bible. Seriously? Have you cracked that thing open recently? I mean, honestly. There is a whole bunch of stuff in there that makes absolutely no sense. I have an example for you. Genesis 6 one through four. You can turn there if you'd like, but I'm, I'm gonna read it to you. Genesis six, one through four. Have you ever read this passage? When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, sons of God, not sons of man, plural, sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, quote, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. Do you know what Nephilim are? Are they a people group? Why have we never heard about them? Do you ever find that word again later in the Bible? Okay. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. The sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. Why is this even necessary to be in scripture in Genesis 6? It precedes the story of Noah. Okay. Those four verses are confusing. And if you're like me, and if you've read that passage, I can kind of blaze through that and go, that's weird, and just move on. I don't get it. I'll just, I'll keep going to the story of Noah. I, I understand the story of Noah. I've heard that for a long time. I get that one. If I stop long enough to really reread those verses, I have to face the reality that I don't understand what in the world is being spoken about in Genesis 1 through 4. And as a matter of fact, if I take a few more moments to read through it, there's some things in there that almost feel troubling because I don't have a place in my mind for where these terms even should go. Sons of God, Nephilim, um, where the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, that's confusing. And it's really common for us, if we're reading our Bible at all, if we even know where to start, because that's a first challenge we have to face, that when we read something like that, we can just move right on. Rather than stopping and asking some questions. If we stop and ask those questions, where do we go for the answers? Are we willing to ask someone? Are we willing to do some study? Do we know how to study? How do we know that scripture even became viewed as the authoritative word of God. That makes a difference. If I believe that scripture is the authoritative word of God, then when I read these things that are confusing, it requires that I ask some more questions. And it requires that I am honest and say, I don't know all the answers. Okay, pop quiz time. I hope you have your paper and pencil. We're going to go through these one at a time. The Greek class from here at New Horizons put these together for me. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to go through a bunch of them. Okay? Number one, why are chapter and verse numbers in the Bible? Why are chapter and verse numbers in the Bible? Write down a couple quick words. Why are chapters and verse numbers in the Bible? Number two, what kinds of emotions did God show in the Bible? You don't have to list all of them. Just think through a couple, maybe three that you can think of. What emotions did God show in the Bible? I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God. It's going to throw you into the Old Testament. Okay, number three, why do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sound so similar and yet different? Why do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sound so similar and yet so different? Think through that? Okay, the next one. How do we effectively use the book of Proverbs? Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's called wisdom literature. How do we effectively use the book of Proverbs? Okay, next. How did the early church narrow down which books would be in the New Testament? How did the early church narrow down which books would be in the New Testament? Next one. How can there be one interpretation, one meaning, and yet so many applications to a particular portion of Scripture? How can there be one interpretation and yet many applications for a portion of Scripture, the same portion of Scripture? Are you writing furiously? Okay, just a couple more. In what ways... And what extent does God take into consideration the prophet's input when dealing with Israel? That's a longer one. In what ways and to what extent does God take into consideration the prophet's input when dealing with Israel? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Habakkuk. To what extent, in what ways and to what extent does God Take into consideration the prophet's input when dealing with Israel. Last one. Why does so much of the Bible seem confusing, yet we say it should be applicable? Why does so much of the Bible seem confusing, yet we say it is applicable? How'd you do? How long before you quit? Did you even start? Couldn't get all your answers written down? That's okay. It's confusing. And yet those questions are regular questions that we should consider and wrestle through. If if the Bible is the authoritative word of God, if we choose to believe it, In order to understand more about God's character, we should want to read it and want to wrestle through difficult questions. It's got to be okay that we don't understand it all. It's got to be okay if we see that passage in Genesis and feel frustrated. We don't have to come to one beautiful, tie it with a bow answer. If we believe it's the authoritative word of God, we can wrestle with the questions and our faith not be shaken. As a matter of fact, it can deepen. The truth of the matter is, statistics show us that people are not going to church. They're not reading their Bible. And we're not praying regularly. And in the culture, that's a reality both for those who say that they are followers of Christ and then, of course, those who do not claim to follow Christ. There is no place for these things in our culture. What do we do with this? The truth is, this doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to be. I believe it is not the mission of God to ignore God's voice because we are focused on everything but him. We do not have to ignore scripture because it's confusing. And we don't have to ignore or avoid church because we don't understand the purpose of meeting in the first place. I don't want this to be the norm in my life. I don't want it to be the norm for our church, for four square churches. I don't want it to be the norm in our culture. And I believe it doesn't have to be. So what does this have to do with another church? Prayer, studying scripture, gathering together with believers, they are irreplaceable gifts that God has given to us to use in our faith journey. I believe we are missing one engaging in our culture, engaging with our culture, understanding our culture, knowing our community. Being engrossed enough in our culture where we feel and we know the questions and the needs of our community. And we are called to respond to the questions and the needs with the gospel message. Now, I live in Fruta. My family lives in Fruta. My children attend Fruta schools. I shop in Fruta stores. So, when something happens in Fruta that I don't like, It's not okay for me to turn my head and to disengage from my city. I do not have permission to write off whatever's happening and say, that's not my city, those aren't my people. My city, my responsibility. My city, my people. Abraham, he took responsibility for his family. Joseph. He took responsibility for his family. It was ugly, but David took responsibility for his, for his family. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, they saw what was happening, or they heard God call them and allowed God to interrupt their life and face the realities that were going around in their culture. Jesus took responsibility for his city first. Peter did the same. Paul, he started with his own people, and he moved to his own people. Paul is a Roman citizen, so he kind of had one foot in both camp. He could talk with Jews, he could talk with Romans and Gentiles, as they were, anybody who was non-Jewish. But he took responsibility. For all of those. In Fruta, we have a population of 13,000. We are over 70% homeowners, we value the outdoors, we spend lots of time outside, we like to ride bikes, we have three elementary schools, one and a half middle schools, and one and a half high schools. And if you live in Fruta, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We love Fruit of Monument High School. We go to football games. We support the Fruit of Monument High School marching band and Palms team. We swim. We value exercise and we hike. We also have drugs, alcohol, bullying, abuse, low income families, political angst, Confederate flags and a major lack of diversity. We are 97% white. We lack diversity among gender, race, and ethnicity. And we really lack an awareness of these things. We can easily say that's not a problem in FRUTA, when what's reality is because of the lack of diversity, it's just easy to overlook, rather than to be intentional. We like to pass judgment on those who have differing opinions as us. And we're beginning to voice those judgments. In Romans 14, verse 13, I'd like to read it. Paul says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. This has to be true for us in Fruta, In the bones of Foursquare and in our gateway district of which we are a part, we value, we are intentional about having diversity in our churches. It cannot be passive. The expectation within Foursquare is that we are intentional. The focus of the last few years especially has been to equip and see people of minority groups, so gender, racial, ethnic, to see them called, equipped, and released in the community. Because it is through those minority gro- groups that we are seeing the gospel message sent. And so as Andy and I explored this idea of me churching, church planting, it fell right in line with what our district is passionate about doing and are making huge strides to do it. I know you may never see it, but if you were ever to get to go to one of our district conferences, we have songs in many languages. We have many colors. We have female senior pastors. We have, we have female um, leads in entire departments. Our district is reaching the goal that they have been set and determined to reach because they're being intentional. There were not women in leadership in large numbers, and and they're still not yet, but it's changing. There were not very many churches where English was not the first and only language. There were not churches where people of minority groups were the lead pastors but that has been changing over the last few years and I'm excited to say that I've been a part of it. I've been able to be a part of training within the district and I'm currently a part of the church multiplication cohort that takes place in the Gateway District. There is a team of people that surround those of us who feel called to church multiplication to support us, to help us in this process. And it begins with knowing our city. And for me, if I am going to lead a church, I had to wrestle with these questions of what we are telling and communicating a good Christian is to look like. I've been appreciative for the last few years and I'm excited for what is to come. And I wanna talk just in closing about those things. My dream for this church is to lead the way on bridging the gender, racial, and ethnic gap that is alive in Fruta. In five years, I see our church representing God's design for young and old, male and female, every tribe, fulfilling God's mission for the church, meeting the needs for the city. Demonstrating diversity will be a core value, a driving force. I want us to be an important partner In the infrastructure of the city. I will start this process by seeking out others who are willing to engage in difficult questions. I'm looking for people who are willing to say they need to study because they don't know. I'm looking for people who want to discover God's heart for Fruta and for Mesa County as a whole. I will have a leadership team that represents minority groups and that starts with me, a female, being the lead pastor. We will impact our community through supporting the schools, local businesses, and meeting local needs. We will deepen our worldview through diversity and supporting Foursquare Missions. We're gonna turn to Romans 15, one through seven. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We each have been placed in our respective communities, whether by need or by choice. While we are here, it's not okay for us to disengage with the community that we're living in because we don't like what we see. Trust me, I know how tempting that is, but it's wrong. I would even go as far to say, it's sin. It's my city, my responsibility. And I want to invite you to join in that same responsibility. If you live in Grand Junction, if this is your place, if this is your home, my city, my responsibility. You're a student at the university, my city, my college, my responsibility. And if you're in FRUDA, I want you to consider my city, my responsibility. Now, there are a few ways that you can get involved in what's happening in FRUDA. First, I'm looking for a prayer team. So my email address is going to show, and you can email me your name and your email address to say, yep, I want to be on that prayer line. I will send out monthly updates and prayer requests. So that's the first way. The second way is that you can give financially. The district will match dollar for dollar up to $15,000. So I am looking to raise $15,000 in the next 12 months because getting started, that'll be 30,000 right from the get-go. So maybe that's where God's calling you. And I ask you to think about it. Is God burning something inside of you? And the third way to get involved is to consider joining. Do you live in Frida? Do you like what you hear? Are you curious about what's to come? Do you have a heart for minority groups? Do you have a heart to see people who have been overlooked or underutilized be able to have the time and the calling of God's heart spoken directly to them, to give people a place that maybe have never had a place before? Maybe you like working with me. Maybe you've worked with me before. You don't live in Fruta, but you want to see what I'm doing and what our family is up to. I'd love to have you. As we begin this discovery process for Fruta, we're going to meet once a month. We're going to look deeper into these things of prayer, reading the Bible, and gathering together. We're going to ask difficult questions. We're gonna learn how to engage in our community with our culture that our hearts would, be, would burn inside of us for the people around us. And as we've been learning about servanthood, that we would learn to serve those around us. Not to disengage when it gets uncomfortable, but that we would face our own prejudices, our own questions, and our own lack of knowledge and awareness. And we would humbly bring them to one another and discuss these, and in the process we'll come out with the future Church for Fruta. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what God has, and I've really enjoyed being able to share these things with you. Have a great week. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.